I didn't even know what a podcast was. And I was talking to my niece, um, um, Marie, and she says, no, no, you don't have to write a thing. And mm -hmm. saying, yeah, all you have to do is talk. I thought, oh, that's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Day is done and here am I all alone and you know why. Roll along, roll along, Kentucky Moon. Welcome to Singing Their Song, the podcast dedicated to the missions and life of Maxine Moreri. I'm Rebecca, her granddaughter, and I've had the amazing privilege of growing up hearing her stories. My grandma began pursuing missions as a teenager. By 18, she was married and moving to South America, where she'd spend most of her adult life alongside my grandpa, living with a tribe that was known for its violence and brutality. In fact, this was a tribe who killed the first five missionaries that tried to make contact. As a kid, I loved hearing all about her adventures in the jungle, they were epic tales that I would get lost in. In fact, in some ways, these stories became legends in my mind. As an adult, I've tried writing her story more times than I can count. I wanted to share the magic with others. But each time I tried, life got in the way. We'd wind up with yet another draft, sometimes further along than the last, just waiting to be replaced by the next. Then, this last spring, it hit me. If I could just get her talking, Telling the stories I'd grown up hearing and recording her, we could start our own podcast. I shared the idea with her, and thankfully she agreed. And what followed wasn't anything that I expected. As I record this message, we've just finished our final episode, and I can tell you that what I thought would be a recording of the legend of Maxine Moreri turned into much, much more. It turned into the truth. The good, the scary, the funny and the heartbreaking reality of what it was like to be a missionary, a wife, and a caretaker. And I'm more excited than ever for you to hear it. A couple of things to note before we jump in. First, this podcast is going to be broken up to into three parts. Before leaving, life on the mission field, and then after moving back to the United States. The second thing you should know is that my grandma and I live about 2,400 miles away from each other. So in order to get this recorded, we both had to sit in quiet spaces and hope for the best while we talked over the phone. As a result, you may occasionally hear some background noise. Sorry about that. In any case, this project has been a huge blessing to me, and I hope it is for you too. Again, thank you for listening. Let's jump in. Do you want to start by just introducing yourself? And I'll introduce myself. Sure. Okay. Hello, this is Maxine Moriri, um, and I was born Maxine Bailey, the last child of 11 children. And I got a lot of spoiling and a lot of uh, wonderful things uh, and a few of hard things in my childhood. But um, my childhood was like another thing until I met Jesus. And uh, that's when my life changed. And uh, I was 11 years old, almost 12, when I met the Lord Jesus. And I had gone to a few uh, Sunday schools here and there that people took me to, but I had never heard the gospel. And that really spoke to my heart after I knew the Lord 
how important it is that the gospel be principle and the first thing in every communication concerning the Bible. Because to learn the Bible without knowing the author himself in the person of the word, who is Jesus, you have learned nothing. It's just pure knowledge. I was a, a sixth grader when a, a, a friend invited me to a little Bible club, which evolved into the good news clubs that we have today or I used to have today. I don't know if they're still going or not, but um, she told us that uh, the teacher would give a lesson and that she would give candy out at the end of it. And I thought, well, that sounds pretty good. And I talked to another friend of mine and neither one of us had ever heard that the thing that kept us from God was our sin. We didn't even have a consciousness of that. And when she told us about how much God wanted us and how that we couldn't approach him because of our sin, and she told us that Jesus said, I will die for their sins. I will pay for their sins. And then they can come to you. I can remember that clicking in our hearts and I began to weep and uh, then the teacher told us all we're going to sing a little song and that little song is going to be to invite Jesus to come into your heart and if you really mean it he will and that's when uh, I sang into my heart into my heart Lord Jesus Come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And I'm telling you, that was the end of who I was up to that point. And when I look back on my whole life, the more and more I see that simple little approach to God, did it? Very nice. I like that. So my name is Rebecca Messenger, and I grew up um, in awe of my family and the amazing things that they were doing. And I remember from a young age just wishing and hoping that God could use me in a way that he'd used my family members, uh, my grandmother included. And I remember just being astounded hearing her stories and that, gosh, she too had struggles sometimes. <laughs> And so um, I'm excited to be sharing my grandmother's story and my hope in this podcast is that um, others will get to know her, but also get to know God um, and to be able to see. I think it was um, at one point uh, in my early 20s, I remember talking to grandma and you said um, that when you look back on your life, you could see God's footprints all over it, even in the parts you weren't, you weren't quite sure at the moment if he was standing there with you. But now you look back and you can see it. And my hope, I guess, is that as others hear um, everything that you've done and what you've gone through and what God's done through you, that they would see that too, that they would see those footprints on your life and on their lives as well. So 
Um, I'm excited. Where do you think would be the best? I had been thinking about if we jumped in at the moment you decided to get into missions. Do you think that would be a good story to start with? Or do you feel like there's a different part that you would like to start with? Yeah, that that would be fine with me. Yeah, because everything from my salvation led up to that moment. Okay. I've discussed this with my kids, you know, like you sometimes. Well, that's, I, I want to make up my own mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And my kids have said, Mom, yours was cut and dried. Mm-hmm. You had no knowledge beforehand. And it was so, uh, it was so changing in your life that you saw the great big difference. Mm-hmm. Where we don't see that because from our tiniest little years, you were praying with us, we were hearing it, and um, we went astray. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to go astray when. Even though you might have already believed, it's easy. Well, what did I miss out in the world? I knew what I missed out in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I I'd seen that that part too. I'd seen huge arguments and things that go on in a home where Christ isn't central. Yeah, and they had never seen that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I, I understand where you seem to want to push away because I've had my own children tell me that too. Mm-hmm. They wondered wow. what they lost mm-hmm. by not being out in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I didn't feel like I lost a thing after I came to Christ. Yeah. I, I gained it all. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we could start right there and I, I don't know how meaningful this will be, but we can try. I think it'll be meaningful because it gives us a little bit of like history before we jump into like what you went through on the mission field on just like, you know, like what made, what made you want to or what made you realize that that was God's call on your life? Because I feel like there's a lot of people maybe in the same boat and they're not recognizing it or they're thinking, you know that maybe the, they're hearing it wrong. So what was it for you, like, when you first heard God's call to be a missionary? How did you know that that was the call? Yeah, it was almost simultaneously with my my coming to Christ. I, I don't even know of any moment in my life. I remember telling my girlfriend, Leona, I had a big crush on one of uh, Howard's best friends. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't have that crush on Howard for a long time. <laughs> but uh, I told her, well, if Rod ever liked me, I think I'd give up being a missionary. And she was furious with me. Because <laughs> that's all she had heard my whole life, how I was going to serve the Lord. <laughs> And she said, that's a terrible thing to say, Maxine. <laughs> but, you know, um, fortunately, <laughs> yeah, like Howard one time, he kept trying and trying, and I kept breaking up with him and going with somebody else. And 
And finally, this one day, I get a call from uh, Rod, of all things. And he said, uh, do you want to go to the CU football game this week? And I said, oh, that would be great. And he said, well, the only thing is I'll be taking Alice Jane and Howard will be taking you. And so I hung up the phone on him. Because <laughs> <Aww. laughs> I was <laughs> I that Howard, he just can't leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't. And he didn't. <laughs> and I'm grateful. <laughs> I you always know? thought that you met Grandpa after. So timeline for me. I, in my head, had it that you got your call to missions and then met Grandpa. No. Um when I was just barely 16, he came home from Korea. He had been over in the occupation time, not the Korean War, but he went, oh, probably 47, he went to Korea after mm -hmm. he graduated from high school. And um, he came back. Well, I had known who he was way back from before he left. Colorado. Um, he was from Minnesota. He came, his dad came back to Colorado to work in a munition plant to earn more money. And um, they came to Westwood. There isn't any Westwood anymore, but there used to be a Westwood, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And that's where he went to high school for um, his sophomore and junior year mm -hmm. and that's where he met the powers boys well it was through those three boys that he came to know the lord they started taking him to church in Inglewood there mm -hmm. with them so grandpa was saved there at the church and then his dad moved back to um to um, minnesota and then he was drafted after his senior year, went to Korea. But then they, his folks, meanwhile, moved back to Colorado while he was overseas. Mm. And then when he got back, he was pretty backslidden. And the Powers boys went looking for him. Mm. <laughs> and they heard he was back. And uh, they went to his mother's. Uh, she was running a motel at the time on Santa Fe. And uh, they said, we're here for Howard. And she says, I think he's in that beer joint down there. Mm. <laughs> so the Powers boys went into the beer joint. Mary, get out of there. <laughs> and they took him back to church. Oh, wow. And then that's when I was about 16. And that's when he started pursuing me mm. at that time okay. and he, it was really something because I uh, he realized how much younger I was than he but uh, so he was very patient with me mm -hmm. so when I would drop him go with somebody else drop him go with somebody else during that year or, or so mm -hmm. He just kind of didn't date anybody, and he just waited me out each time. <laughs> so that's how 
how we met. I okay. mean, we knew each other before, but that's how we really, that's when he noticed me. Okay. <laughs> See, I didn't know that yeah. part of your story. Yeah. Hmm. And it was after that that um, he's, you know, that's when he did that crazy proposal thing to me and everything. And, the infamous and, proposal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I said, I oh, know, no, 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 this is going nowhere. And it still wasn't in my heart. It really wasn't, not even when he uh, decided to go out to New Tribes with us, the rest of us kids who were going. Mm -hmm. And I, I, even then, I didn't go with him. And I went with another boy as soon as I got to boot camp. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but then I know the moment, I know the moment when it was him because he was still just waiting me out, and um, I saw him warming his hands um, by the big old potbelly stove in our chapel before chapel started, and something just grabbed my heart, and I walked up to him, and I said, Howard, I'm so sorry for the way I've treated you. And he said, um, that's fine. And I said, but I don't know what to do about Bob. <laughs> that sounds like the movie, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. What about what Bob? What about Bob? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he said, I'll take care of him. Well, then when I sat down for chapel, Howard sat down by me. Well, Bob came in a little later, and he sat on the other side. And both of them put their elbows into my arm. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat there wondering, this is weird. <laughs> and, then, and then the next time Howard sat down by me, Bob didn't. And I said, did you talk to him? And Howard says, yeah. I said, what'd you say? And he said, you're out and I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I knew. That's when I knew. <laughs> Wow. I was a fickle, fickle girl. Hmm. <laughs> I think we all are at that age, so. <laughs> but we are, and if we could only remember that, we'd be a lot better off. Our kids would be a lot better off, wouldn't they? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we wouldn't have such high standards for them. That's true. Uh, and how, so you, how, how old were you when that happened? Uh, 17. 17, okay. And so <laughs> we then... We started chasing at 16, and then 17, we were already out in boot camp because I dropped out of my senior year. That's right. At high school. And so I was 17 during most of our courtship. Well, all of our courtship, where we really, really were dedicated to each other. Mm. From that point on, we never changed. And I never saw another, I saw nobody else after that or even cared to. Mm -hmm. And um, that was quite a year. That was quite a year because part of our boot camp was uh, the, you know, 
learning part, but then they had uh, the other part where we put to to work what we had learned, and they sent us out on uh, girls' buses and boys' buses, mm-hmm. and they filled our buses with gas, food, and they had been converted into RVs, and and they sent us to a location that they wanted us to go to. From that point on, the mission did not fill our gas. We had to trust God for every gas time we filled our gas, every food we bought. And and um, if you did well, usually you only stayed out one month. But because I was so young, I went out in June and, and then... I got married fresh from the bus in August, the end of August. (laughs) I went through several groups of girls, and they kept me out there. Wow. So, uh, and then during that time, Grandpa and I wrote daily to each other. He was sent to Oregon, and I was sent to um, Middle California. And... um, and we wrote and we would tell each other where the buses were going the next time so we could uh, general delivery our letters to the other place before wow. we got there. And the first place I'd head for was the post office to pick up letters. And Aww. and I, I just ran across all those and put them in all our love letters from that, from June so when we got married on August 30th, 1950, <laughs> mm. that whole time, we just had mountains of letters. <laughs> and we kept them all. So, yeah, that was fun putting them on my computer. Yeah, getting for, to read through them. For, for posterity to show how much we... Well, what really impressed me about Grandpa's Mine was about, oh, it it was really kind of more about not leading people to the Lord so much as contacts, but his would, praise the Lord, I led three souls to the Lord today, or um, there were eight young men that followed us to the bus and were having Bible studies with them, and his was... His was so impressive, his time out on the bus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because we lived by faith. Mm-hmm. They allowed the boys to work, but we girls could not work. Wow. So that's why mine had more to do with, we had to park in a, in a we had to park the bus in a park because we couldn't find any church or anybody that would let us park in their lot and uh, we about died of of mosquitoes and mm. <laughs> and we don't know how we're ever going to leave here because we don't have any gasoline mm. and then getting a little meeting in a Sunday school and uh, afterwards a farmer saying how about coming out for a good home-cooked meal and a little bit of a rest Mm. We went out there, and he said, before you leave, I want to fill your gas tank. <laughs> wow. 
And we had we had occasions just one after another. So mine's more of needs being met and that kind of you know thing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that was that was invaluable, invaluable. And we never from that time on ever none of our letters ever include what we need. Mm-hmm. To this day, I've never, ever, and to this day, I've never lacked. It's just, that was tremendous training. That's really cool. So boot camps have really, was a a wonderful experience for both of us. We just, uh, (laughs) and you couldn't be, ordained as missionaries with debt you could have no debt you know never could go to the field with debt Mm -hmm. and uh, before we left boot camp um, something to do with Howard's military insurance he got a great big refund thing or uh, or whatever it was from the military paid off our debts both of our debts there at the mission and that alone is just the history of God's faithfulness. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, what's that movie where if you build it, they will come? Mm-hmm. The field <laughs> of dreams, be, I think. You have to be going before God provides. Yeah. That's the hardest part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you go by, to go by faith, mm-hmm. trusting that he will. And I and I said that faith was never mine. That was that was your grandpa's. Mm. Like when they, he, we never said no after we started doing, um, you know, going to different countries to train translators, and uh, <laughs> they would always say to Dad, you know, can you come in this date and this date, and and uh, he'd say, oh yeah, we'll be there. Hmm. And I'd look at him with, we will. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and this one time, somebody that he went into the hot tub with and the, uh, at the rec center came by the house Hmm. and he had a paper bag and he said to uh, Howard, I can't stay, but I brought you some lettuce. And so, um, uh, so Howard took the bag and waved goodbye. The guy drove off a thousand dollars. Wow! <laughs> and that's how we got to Paraguay that time. Wow! <laughs> but that happened unbelievably many times. That's pretty cool. Um, it's occurring to me though, too, just to back up for a second because we mentioned the infamous proposal. <laughs> I wonder if you could tell that story really quick on on how Grandpa proposed to you. Oh, <laughs> well, it it starts with who took me home from church. Mm-hmm. Um, I had told uh, Grandpa that he could take me home from church, but um, one of our star football players came to church that night. And he asked to take me home. So 
I ditched Howard and I went with Tommy Ranham. And uh, Mrs. Smith had told us we could come up to her house for pie. So we headed for Mrs. Smith's house. And we were, we were having a good time there with some of the other young people that were there when I heard a car drive up in the driveway screeching its tires. And I thought, oh, no. And we always went in through her back door, so I ran out into the kitchen. And Howard came in a little bit mad. And I said, oh, Howard, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And he looked at me and he said, that's okay. You want to go with me to take Rod to uh, up to Fort Collins to college tomorrow? And I said, oh, yes, I'll do that. I'll do that. So the next morning, real early, he came and got me. And we picked up Rod and we got up and left Rod off at college and then we were driving home, and he said, well, I think I'll marry you. And I said, oh, you will not. I don't love you. And he said, you will. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, that was the only proposal I ever got. <laughs> there you go. And you did, eventually. I did it eventually. And his faith held out, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was very patient. He knew. He was very patient. He knew. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I've always loved that story. Well, it shows how, what kids we were at one time, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm never sorry about, about him holding out. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say it. I think you're kind of crazy. Because I've seen pictures of Grandpa, and he was a good-looking dude. So, <laughs> and then I hear those stories, and I think, wow, this Rod guy must have been really attractive. <laughs> the, bo the Bob guy. Bob, the Bob guy, sorry, guy. Bob guy, yeah. That was, that, uh, um, it was before we left for boot camp, all of us kids that were going to go together. And we had gone down to Youth for Christ, which was every Saturday night in downtown Denver. Mm -hmm. And um, we got there late, and my girlfriend and I sat down by this Bob. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, afterwards, this Bob had gone to Bible school with our youth pastor, and he walked over to Bob Carlton, and he said, uh, who was the girl I was sitting by? And, and Bob said, oh, that's um, Maxine Bailey, and she's going to be going to boot camp, too. And um, Bob was already in his first semester of boot camp. And so I get this letter out of the blue from Bob, and he, he said, you won't remember me, but I'm the, the guy you sat by at Youth for Christ, and I got your address from Bob Carlton, mm -hmm. and you can check me out with him. But when you get to boot camp, I can show you the ropes. Mm. So as soon as I got to boot camp, that's who I went with. He was showing me the ropes. <laughs> I love it. 
Hmm. You were in quite the love triangle there. <laughs> <laughs> now, the slipo to that story is that um, we the mission had bought this plane and it was flying missionaries down. It was a DC-3 and, and it was converted for passengers and all. And um, they were flying missionaries to South America. Mm-hmm. And then they were on a flight down to South America again, and they had an SOS sent to uh, boot camp. Is there anyone there that can um, um, take Morse code? We need somebody that can take Morse code. Well, Grandpa was very proficient at Morse code. Mm-hmm. So he volunteered to fly fly on that go down to Florida meet up with them and and fly on that plane well uh, Bob was on that plane on his way to the mission field mm-hmm. well before uh, grandpa even left for Florida they sent back and said we found someone right here in Florida that Howard didn't need to come mm-hmm. and that plane crashed in Venezuela, all wow. aboard were killed. Wow. So Grandpa could have been on it, and um, and Bob was. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That must have been really hard for you to think about at that moment when you found out. Yeah, it was really, really hard, but... Um, I was very glad, too, that Howard hadn't been on it. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. Very con- I'm sure that emotions were conflicting. And... Yeah. I can only yeah. imagine. Yeah, we were learning so many things, and yet hard lessons, too. Like, we we knew most of the people aboard that plane. Mm-hmm. And Grandpa, for his work detail, um, he had... Oh, they kept him over at headquarters, which was in Chico, California, working on that plane for several months. Mm. And he didn't really get in on writing all the papers and doing all of that and the linguistics and all that I was learning Mm -hmm. because they needed a crew to work on that plane. Yeah. And um, so... Yeah, he per- we we knew the pilots, and it was people from our course right before us who mm. were on the plane. Wow. So <laughs> it made it double hard, yeah. Yeah, wow. Thank you for all yeah, that. Well, I, and at any point, if you say, Grandma, this is beyond me, I'll understand. <laughs> no, I, I'm excited. You were watching there on the high when we said our last goodbye on a lovely night ended too soon. So wherever she may be, shed a ray of light for me. Roll along, roll along, Kentucky. Well, there you have it. And this is just the start. 
Make sure you check out the next episode in part one where we'll be talking about my grandparents' wedding day and how their immediate families took the news that they'd be moving away to Bolivia. If you're enjoying this podcast, please give us a rating and a follow. That would be awesome. And make sure you share it with your friends and family. For more information on my grandmother's work, you can visit ayore.com. That's A-Y-O-R-E dot com. Thanks for listening.